What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Brad Hawkins, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Video Land. When Star Wars released in 77, it forever changed what a movie could be, and the mantra, may the force be with you, changed the lives of people all over the globe. Tonight, I will be speaking with a member of the Temple of the Jedi Order. The Temple of the Jedi Order are real people living their lives according to the principles of the Jedi religion and its philosophy. Jedi followers that embrace the Jedi religion and sincerely believe in its teaching. Please welcome Brenna West. Brenna, welcome to Videoland. Hi. So where are you Skyping from tonight? I'm currently in Dallas, Texas. Right on. So um, how's the weather out there? Pretty good. Um, been hotter than hell, and I'm kind of over it already. <laughs> looking, looking forward to winter. So you don't sound like you're from Texas. No, I'm not. I'm from New Zealand. All right, on. So, Brenna, can you explain your position at the Temple of the Jedi Order? Um, well, I am a knight, which means I've done an apprenticeship and been considered you know, sane and having completed all the curriculum. <laughs> um, and I also hold position of head of PR. Oh, excellent. So, is the Temple of the Jedi Order considered a Star Wars fan site, or is the Order much larger than this? Well, it certainly did start out with um, a lot of the, the fandom aspect, but it has absolutely grown. And the Star Wars fiction has really kind of built the platform for a philosophy that takes from so many other religions and belief systems from around the world. So it's really not a fan site anymore. Although, as you can imagine, most people who find the temple kind of start out with the fan thing and go, oh, hang on, there's a lot more to this. Yeah, I can, uh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So how long have you been with the Order? Oh, um, going on four years now. Oh, wow. Excellent. Yeah, been a while. <laughs> so do you do you have a lot of people that uh, stumble upon the site and they think it's a, you know, has something to do with role playing or LARPing? Um, is there what kind of confusion do you see uh, that uh, most people get when they visit your site? Well, we do still get a handful of people who do stumble upon it because they're researching LARPing and role playing. But, you know, we're very clear on the front page this is what we do, this is who we are, and role-playing is not an aspect of that. We do obviously have people who are still role-players, who are members of the temple, but it's not its not really facilitated through the temple. Right on. So no mistake, this is the real deal, the Temple of the Jedi Order. Um, you guys can perform weddings. It's a non-profit uh, charitable religious organization, if I'm correct. Is, is that yes, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, so no mistake, you guys are the real deal. <laughs> we really are the real deal, and... Especially in the last few years, we've really tried to get people to understand that we are an actual religion, that we do take it seriously, that we have all of the legal paperwork in place. You know, we're not just nutters sitting in robes with toy lightsabers pretending we're onto something. We, we've <laughs> taken... <laughs> well, we're not. Well, some of us are. But, um, you know, we, we've taken the construct very, very seriously, and we've taken what we're building very seriously. Excellent. And just to catch video land up here, just an interesting note, um, from my studies here, um, there are over 200,000 believers. I was reading some articles and I found a question um, I'd like to ask you, Brenna. Mm -hmm. um, at what point does a belief system become a religion? Do you know, we've actually been debating that ourselves because there are people even at the temple who don't view it as a religion, but more as sort of a philosophy or a system of belief. Personally, I think that religion becomes a religion when you start putting a framework around it and you start creating rules around it. Um, whether or not other people agree with that, I'm not sure. But, you know, we, we have a lot of similarities with well-established religions. And it, it really depends on your definition of the word and how you believe it's created. Yeah, I guess you can get in some pretty muddy water when you're uh, talking that broad. Absolutely. And it stays that broad for a reason. I mean, as we've already touched on, we are a recognized religion in a legal sense that we are a not-for-profit. We're recognized as a church. But the broadness of Jediism is there for a reason because we don't believe that there is a singular system of belief. We believe that it is all pointing to something beyond our comprehension. And this just happens to be the way that we make sense of it. 
Excellent. And does that sound about right, somewhere around 200,000? Or do you think it's larger than that? Um, I think it really depends. I mean, if you're going by the census, I don't know that the statistics are that accurate because you obviously have the people who say Jedi for a joke, the people who are using it as a um, protest or a political statement. Um, the, the temple has several tens of thousands of people who have stumbled upon us who have registered. Um, obviously, the numbers start to dwindle when you get people to become official members and start doing you know, our training programs, that kind of thing. But I would say worldwide, that's probably a pretty conservative number. I think that there are more people out there who identify with it than we even realize. Yeah, and you brought up census. I would like to talk about a couple of those. Um, in the UK's 2001 census, um, I believe it is 390,000 people described themselves as Jedi. And on the 2011 census, um, 64,000 Australians put Jedi down as the religion. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking, we actually were having this discussion in the forums the other day, and having been in New Zealand around the time when the census stuff was going on, I, you know, again, it's difficult to say because you don't know people's motivations, but I do know that a lot of people in New Zealand and Australia were putting Jedi down as part of a protest because a lot of people are pushing back going, well, why does the government need to know what we believe? It's actually irrelevant and it shouldn't be a thing. Um, so the Jedi thing started for some people as a joke and just sort of continued from there. But also people who have no kind of official religion, like they're kind of religious, they believe there's something out there, but they don't fit within the framework of Christianity or Judaism or any of that kind of thing. I think it was a something they kind of like caught on to and, and ran with. Um, interestingly, though, the New Zealanders were told in the last census to stop doing that because when they put down Jedi, they're lumped in with the group of people who have a religion. Okay. So it kind of defeats the purpose of the protest. Yeah, for sure. So were you um, considered a part of the, uh, well, not the Jedi Order because that's only been about four years, but uh, were you into this religion in 2001 then? <laughs> I have been putting Jedi on my census form since I was old enough to do it. Oh, wow. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So do you believe then that the 2001 UK census um, is the roots or the foundation of uh, this Jedi religion? Um, I don't. Okay, so is there something I, that predates that then? I, well, officially, no. I think the census was kind of a kickoff point for people to go, hey, there's other you know people out here who think the same way I think. I think that kind of sparked people to start connecting. But I think that the idea of Jediism and the beliefs that people have held that created Jediism, I think that's been around for a lot longer. Okay, excellent. Um, there's a group called the Atheist Foundation of Australia. Are you familiar with them? I have heard of them, yeah. Okay. And uh, they are leading a campaign to get people to stop becoming Jedi. Um, the AFA is concerned that if the government tabulates more people as religious, um, that they will aim policy and tax dollars that way instead of accurately serving the atheist percentage of, of the population. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, and what's your thoughts on the AFA there? Well, if people believe in Jediism and they want to list themselves as Jedi because that is their version of spirituality, or that is where they feel they fit, then I don't think the atheists really have... Um, any kind of grounding there. I mean, think about it, because if the people who are saying Jedi are doing it because they don't fit into any other religion, but they have a kind of sort of maybe belief system, then they're not atheist, are they? Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, I mean, the, the atheist question is an interesting one because they sometimes feel very anti-religious when I don't think they are, but I think people sort of mistake them for being that. You know, they, they just... They believe what they believe, and we believe what we believe. But atheists are still in the minority. You know, census information, um, information about people who are actually on websites and joining churches, all of that still points to the fact that the majority of people have some kind of underlying spiritual system. Yeah, and I don't think that they have too much to worry about because there's 64,000, you know, that uh, Australians that put Jedi down as the religion. But if you uh, look at the Australia population, there's about 24 million. So yeah. I don't think they have too much to worry about. I think they're kind of blowing things up a little bit, don't you? It's possible. I mean, you know, I don't know their policies. I don't really know enough about what they're trying to achieve to, to really make a comment, but I certainly don't think that the Jedi are going to do them any damage. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. So I've heard Jediism described as it's somewhere between metaphor and a literal truth. Um, is this accurate? What is Jediism and the doctrine that you follow? Uh, well, I think any religion could be said to be somewhere between metaphor and literal truth. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, all religions believe that there is something out there is that, that is greater than ourselves. Um, we don't know exactly what that is, and for the most part, we have created stories around that. And, you know, even Christianity is a good example, because even if Christ did exist, um, which a lot of religions do believe, um, we don't know what happened. We weren't there. So all we have to rely on is the metaphors, the stories, and the handed down information that we've got. Um, and there is no sort of fixed definition of the force, just like there is no fixed definition of the Christian God. Right. You, you, you can't define something that is beyond our comprehension. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So what is your doctrine then? Um, the doctrine is essentially a code which encourages peace, knowledge, self-knowledge, and harmony with the force. Um, it includes a number of basic teachings and maxims which encourage all of those sorts of virtues. But it's a very similar system to what you find in a lot of other religions. And it's really interesting because when I discuss my religious um, beliefs of people, I generally leave out the Jedi part to begin with. Mm -hmm. And they can completely relate to every single thing I'm saying. And then, yeah, and then what happens usually when you spring the Jedi thing? Do they take you serious? Or is it kind of that, okay, <laughs> well, what are we doing here? It's quite funny because you've already established to them that you believe certain things and they totally agree with your beliefs. And then you throw in the Jedi thing and it forces them to confront their own biases. And it's a very interesting <laughs> process to watch. But I, I really do subscribe to the idea that there is one river and many wells. And Jediism is just another well. Yeah, it's funny how people react to things like that, you know, because... You know, um, I was reading the, a little bit of your site there, um, Temple mm -hmm. of the Jedi Order, and yeah, I mean, I think those are all values that we can all respect and get behind, obviously, you know, And but yeah. then it's funny when you put a label on it, you know? Well, it is, because if you look at the doctrine and you look at the values and you look at our beliefs, I mean, if you take out the force part, as an, a secular atheist, you could have those same values. As a Christian, you could have those same values. It is really transcendent of the stories and the metaphors and that's what we're trying to get people to understand the jedi thing is really just where we started from but the fact that we're trying to find the underlying value between the religions and in spirituality itself that's what we're interested in yeah so how do you deal with um connections or marriage um having attachments because i know you know it, when you're talking inside a canon or you're talking star wars in general that's that's something a Jedi should not get into, but uh, you don't go that far with it, right? Well, I I think that the the movies kind of play that whole part up, especially the newer ones, really play the whole, you know, re no relationships thing. Um, I, I married. My husband is a Jedi. In fact, he's on the council, and we actually met on the Temple of the Jedi Order. The, the no attachment thing is not about no relationships. It's about the, the negative holding on to things that we cannot control. Uh-huh. Um, and personally, I think that's one of the, the biggest problems with most relationships that go wrong is that someone in the relationship has a sense of attachment, a sense of trying to control the future, their partner, the outcomes, all of that kind of thing. And that's the sort of attachment that creates problems. Excellent. Excellent. Do members of the order see um, George Lucas or Joseph Campbell um, as a guru in the same way that L. Ron Hubbard is in Scientology? <laughs> No, I had a lot of. Really? It's funny. I had a lot of video <laughs> landers ask me that question. Now that was one of the big ones that they're like, "Oh, you have to ask that one," you know. And I was like, you know, I I, uh, I kind of put the brow up for a second when I heard that question, and I was like, you know what? Okay, I mean, it makes it makes sense. But you know what? A lot of people do make that assumption because there is this idea, as with most established religions, that you worship whoever created the religion, uh -huh. right? Yeah. You know, whether it's Jesus or Buddha or whatever the case may be, you worship the guru. But as I was talking about earlier, we're trying to see beyond the stories and the metaphors and the people, and we're trying to understand the underlying spirituality. So if we then went and worshipped George Lucas as a guru, it would be completely self-defeating. Exactly, exactly. Plus, I mean, we're not crazy. We know that he's a movie director, and we know that he <laughs> made this stuff up. <laughs> we just saw this as a really good metaphor for what we're trying to, to get people to understand. 
Yeah, and I'm sure you get some very colorful people wanting to become a Jedi. So what oh, is your dear. response to people that just, they, they come in and they're like, they want to shoot lightning bolts from their fingers and build <laughs> lightsabers, and they, they don't grasp it, you know, this is the real deal. I mean, <laughs> how do you deal with that? Well, the same way we deal with any, for everyone. You know, if they want to come and they want to learn and they want to see what we have to offer, they are always welcome to stay. If they want to run around and tell people that they're shooting lightning from their fingertips or whatever the case may be, they can do that too. But we're not going to take them all that seriously. You know, because it's, I mean, you seem like a very sane person. I, I love this conversation. You know, it's like you're, the way that you're uh, you're talking about it makes a lot of sense. But I'm sure you get those colorful people. Um, Is there any examples of some colorful people that that uh, you wish um, wouldn't be associated? Um, we have had a lot of colorful people, but I can't honestly say that there's anyone that we wouldn't welcome because everyone has a role to play. And whether it's bringing, you know, just, discord to the temple so that we can better learn how to deal with conflict or whether it's bringing what a personal brand of crazy is because we all have a personal brand of crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't um, trust yeah, anybody if they're not a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Always the fun in that, right? Um, but you know, no one, no one, as long as they obey the the required levels of respect that we ask from our members, no one is turned away. Whether they're role players, whether they honestly believe that they can learn to shoot lightning from their fingertips, and and you know what, we don't actually know what we don't know. Uh-huh. We don't we don't know if it's possible to shoot lightning from your fingertips. I'm not sure what the practical applications of that would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but we, we do not know if it's possible. You know, maybe 300 years from now, someone's going to figure out how it's done. And we'll be like, oh, shit, cool. Yeah, we've been doing this all wrong. <laughs> we've been doing this totally wrong. At which point we will all then change our training and become, you know, space wizards who can shoot lightning from our fingertips. It's funny. It reminds me of like uh, Star Trek. What is it, like Star Trek 5 or 6 when um, they're doing uh, some kind of surgery? I think it's uh, save, when they're saving the wells. And they're like, oh, my God, these barbarians, they're, they do surgery on people? <laughs> They cut them open. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you, and, and that's kind of how I view it personally. Um, you know, we just don't know where the future is going to take us, and we are very limited, even in what we know, even with our scientific explorations. We just don't know. Yeah, exactly. And uh, with talking about the future, um, let's go back to the past. Um, in 2009, okay. um, Daniel Jones uh, was thrown out of a store for refusing to remove his Jedi hood. Um, mm-hmm. He said he felt humiliated um, in some articles that I read. Do you feel there's a lot of negativity from the public? Um, do you think it'll ever be taken as serious um, as it should be? Um, you know, I don't know, because wh- when we talk about the public, we're talking about such a wide variety of people in so many countries, and every culture is different. Every person has different biases. I, I think with that incident, I-, I mean, I don't know how old he was at the time, but you know, he may have been young, he may have been impetuous, it may have been a brilliant PR campaign. I don't know him, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, if you knew him or not. Small world, you know? No. Okay. I, I mean, I've, I've read a lot of his stuff, and I've heard a lot of the interviews and things that he's done, and, you know, by all accounts, he sounds like a reasonably sane, rational, well-educated man. So, you know, that that's what I have to go on. Okay, and I've heard, I've read different things. So I'll let you correct me if I'm wrong. Um, is there? Do you have to wear Jedi hoods, or is that different branches? Is that part of the Temple of the Order? The temple doesn't require any kind of uniform or anything like that. There are many, many smaller groups all over the place, um, and some of them have you know gatherings where they wear hoods, where they do lightsaber battles. And that's, you know, how they express themselves. It's just not something that we, I mean, we, we certainly don't discourage it, but we don't really have it as part of our doctrine or our practices. Gotcha. And you actually have a, uh, a symbol. Um, can you tell us what that symbol stands for? And can you actually describe it for us? Yeah, sure. Um, well, we have a black and white uh, sort of f- five-pointed star that has... Each line has meanings um, and correlates with the Jedi Code. So um, the point on each line is one line for each of the Jedi Code, and then there's a 16-pointed star on the inside that has a point for each of the basic teachings. So it's kind of like bringing the whole doctrine into this very pretty visual symbol. I mean, it's really lovely. It, It always reminds me of like a shield. Okay. Excellent. So the big question here, how does somebody become a Jedi? What is the process here? 
Well, to join the temple, all you basically need to do is sign up with an account and we do require an application if you wish to be a, t a temple member. But to become a Jedi, you, you really just have to have a certain set of beliefs. Okay, is there a certain age limit to join the temple? Um, there isn't, but if you are under the age of 18, there is a special sub-forum that you are... Um, Oh, hang on. No, that's, that's not true. I think I think you have to be 13 or over. I think we changed that a little while ago. Okay. But anyone under the 18 has to be in kind of a protected area just for their own safety. We do have people who are um, screened and have had like background checks who are the moderators of those forums. So anyone under the, 18, under the age of 18 is in a really safe space. Okay. Do you have anyone that's 13 to 18 with like parental cons consent? We don't ask for parental consent, but we do encourage them to let their, no their parents know that they're on the site. Okay. Would you say you have uh, quite a few uh, younger or older? Is it a good mix? Um, it's a good mix. We do have a lot of younger people. Not all of them stay because I think they come for the Star Wars aspect and then realize that we're, we're actually asking them to take themselves a little bit more seriously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that said, I mean, you know, we had a uh, young man who was knighted... Uh, about a year or so ago, who when he turned 18, we knighted him, and he was incredible and so wise for his age. So you just never know who's going to kind of get it and run with it. Exactly. And uh, what is the knighting process? Um, the knighting, you mean the, the the actual ceremony or how yeah. you become a knight? Actually, both. Sounds great. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> with... With the temple, we require everyone to do an initiates program, which is kind of an initial training. Um, it just gives people some basic knowledge about what we're doing, the philosophical foundation, and kind of just gets them thinking. So that, that weeds out a lot of them then, right? It does. <laughs> if you're not serious, it, this is this is the program. Exactly. And it's quite a, it can be quite a lengthy process because there's a lot of reading and research required. Um, and we do everything from covering like um, Campbell's books to explaining what didactics are and etiquette and just, just kind of giving people a really good solid foundation. Um, once you've done with that, you're then eligible to become an apprentice. So we get people to kind of make friends with the knights, get to know them a little bit through the forum. And then you, you don't get assigned, but once you've kind of picked someone who you've got a good Paul with an offer of apprenticeship is generally made and then accepted. Um, and that can be a process of anywhere from six months to two or three years, some of them. Okay. And so when you, ha and th is that the uh, teaching masters? Is that? Yes. Okay. Yes. So can a teaching master have more than one apprentice then? They can. Um, we do try to keep a cap on it just to ensure that everyone's getting a decent amount of attention. Okay. And so... What exactly does the teaching master do, if you could go into some details? Well, that depends on the teaching master. Um, I personally went through two different apprenticeships with two different masters. The one focused on everything from the Tao to, um, what's that man's name? I call him Kishi Face. I can't even pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> but it had a, a very heavy focus on sort of the more Eastern philosophies. Okay. Um, and then I had my second teaching master basically just made me think and question every single thing that I did. You know, it was a real self-exploration. It's like, you know, why do I react like this? Why do I do this? Where does this belief system come from? So real internal it's digging. Very fascinating. So really, it, it is. I think that's um, something everybody should do. Well, yeah. Um, you know, and my, my profession is in behavioral coaching, so the, the process was quite similar, but obviously from a more spiritual perspective. And you know, self-knowledge is basically what we're trying to teach people. We're trying to teach them to be resilient, to think of others, um, to be capable, well-functioning people, because that's the only way that we have the resources to help people. Yeah, I actually use an isolation tank. Have you ever uh, used one of those before? No, but I have heard of them. Yeah, they're phenomenal. I don't know if there's any in Texas, uh, but if you get a chance, um, it's like a 90-minute session, and it just uh, you know uh, blocks you from all sensory um, you know uh, input. It's amazing. Is is that the one where you're in like the little pod and you're floating in the water? Yep, salt water. Yep, and it's yeah, a, a void of uh, sound, and it's it's just it's amazing. It's a, it's just a great exercise to go in there and just reflect. So um, can you tell us, um, so t you have this Jedi, this legally binding Jedi application. Uh, can you tell us um, a little bit about that and what is on the application? 
Well, the application to be a member of the temple basically just states, this is who I am, this is how old I am, um, and I will abide by the rules. It's, it's basically just that. Once you become a knight, though, we do, oh, we, we do have a simple oath that you can take to sort of say that you are committing to the Jedi path. It's not mandatory. Um, it's, it's more to get people to realize that we take it seriously and we would like them to take it seriously too. It just gives it more gravity. Okay. And what's the uh, legally binding part of the Jedi application? Um, basically we just require that people use their real name okay. on the application. Okay. So you can't, you can't go on there and be like, I'm, you know, like my last name's Hawkins. I can't be like Darth Hawkins or, you know, <laughs> no, um, Master also, Hawkins. No, we also don't allow people to use titles like that in their names. Okay. What about in the forums? Um, nope. Okay. So if, if you, if you register and you try and call yourself, you know, Darth Hawkins, we're going to be like, Hey, sorry, you've got to lose the Darth. You can totally be Hawkins though, but no Darth. You're not taking this serious. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's to help people. It's, it's for a couple of reasons. It's to help people realize that we aren't doing the role play thing. You know, I couldn't turn up on the forum and call myself Lady Brenna Stargazer or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's also, to kind of even the playing field, you know, there there is a rank system, but we are all equal. There, there's no, you know, there's no, no titles. Can you tell us a little bit about that ranking system? Uh, very, very simple. You, you know, you're a temple member when you register. You're a um, novice while you're doing the training program, the the IP. Once you've completed that, you're considered an initiate. Um, and then you can become an apprentice. If you complete your apprenticeship, um, you can then become a knight. We have a rank of senior knight, which is someone who has completed additional training and has trained a certain number of apprentices to knighthood. Uh, there was an honorary title of master at one point. I actually don't know if we still give that out. I don't believe we do. Okay, so... Um, and with this training, with, with this training process, what all does that consist of? Just just reading up, like you were saying earlier. Is it just uh, doing what the master says, or is there any kind of? Because I, I read somewhere that says if a teaching master is unavailable, uh, unavailable, um, the site says you will be given tasks during the waiting period. Uh, what yeah, are so, what are those tasks? Um, it can be anything from get encouraging you to get involved with the volunteer program to reading you know some of the the books that we have in the library that we think are good reading and giving your kind of doing a book report i hate that expression though because it's so much more than that are those those joseph campbell books and things like that then joseph campbell the art of war way the peaceful warrior there's so many oh we, wow we, yeah we that's, those are great books too yeah, yeah. Um, what about the Book of Five Rings? Is that ever brought up? Yes, it is. Um, I know one knight in particular who is who does use that as part of his training. Wow, I was actually reading some of that on the front porch today. I'm a big oh, fan. Cool. Yeah, I'm a big You're fan of. Uh, I'm a big fan of Miyamoto Musashi and just his, uh, just his uh, ideas of swordsmanship and you know strategy actually. Yeah, well, and and that is a, an absolutely valid book because it teaches you to think and that's what we're trying to get people to do so currently i'm reading the hagakuri um and it's hard going but it is fascinating and it's changing the way that i approach things and the way i think about things so that's really what those tasks are it's a way to get people to take action and to think and to challenge their perceptions now what if you don't want to submit an application Uh, can you still be a temple member then you can be a guest, which means that you you can turn up, you can access the general forums, you can participate in the conversation, um, but there are forums sort of above that that you won't have access to. Okay. And so that's just about it, then that's all you can do um, as a you guest? Can, you can start doing the IP, um, but obviously until you actually register as a Temple member, we don't count it towards uh, your, your apprenticeship or novicehood i guess and what's the uh, how long does it usually take um to get out of apprenticeship um the minimum time is six months oh okay that's not bad at all then yeah it it doesn't generally take people six months i was an apprentice for just over two years okay excellent um and you spoke a little bit about uh, oaths um i i noticed that there was two main oaths um there's the uh simple oath and then the solemn vow 
can you give us um, uh, tell us a little bit about that? Okay, so the simple oath is just the non-mandatory oath of commi- commitment to the Jedi path, and that can be taken by any member at any point. Um, the solemn vow is a binding oath that is taken by an apprentice at the knighting ceremony. Okay. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about like what that vow is? I mean, <laughs> without, without go, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, saying absolutely. it all. Um, well, the, the simple oath is basically just saying that this is the path I'm on and I'm committing myself to it um, while I learn and explore. The solemn vow says, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, um, that you're committing yourself to the path of being a Jedi, to furthering the, the values and principles that we hold. Excellent, excellent. So what is the Oath of Office and the Oath of Confidence? Well, the Oath of Office is taken by temple officers, and those are the volunteers that serve the temple. So, for instance, um, as head of the PR, I have to take an Oath of Office. Um, People who join um, any of the committees or the council have to take an Oath of Office. And it's really just to say that, you know, we will do our absolute best in good faith as a good Jedi um, and that we take it seriously. Okay. Do you take these oaths online or because obviously there, is there a meeting place for this? There is um, a specific thread where everyone takes their, the various oaths. So okay. they are like written down. Okay. And how, did, how has this changed your life and just in general? Oh God, in so many ways. <laughs> um, the, the biggest change for me, I think, is just a very deep inner development um, you know, like a lot of people who found and find the temple, I was pretty sane, but was missing something. I'm, I'm not sure if that makes sense, but there was, there was just something missing. And for me personally, it's really helped me step away from my emotional reactions and consider things from different point of views and just develop a lot more empathy and compassion with people. Um, it's made me a lot calmer. It really does make me think before I do things, which is great. <laughs> um, but it, it really depends on the person. You know, I personally believe that as Jedi, we're trying to develop ourselves to be the most resilient and high-functioning people that we can be so that we can then help others. And that's what it's done for me. That's excellent. And what's a, what's a good example, you think, of uh, someone who's come in and has completely changed their life? I mean, have you seen that firsthand? You know, I have. Where they've um, really felt accepted? Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of that. You know, one of the things that we get quite often in the introduction threads, which is where a new member sort of signs up and then goes, hey, this is who I am, this is why I'm here, is people going, you know, for the first time, I feel like there's other people who get me, who think the way I think, who believe what I believe. Um, so there's certainly a sense of community with that, but I have seen people literally change their lives. You know, I was discussing this with someone just the other day about the number of people that I've seen get their lives together and deal with addictions and deal with emotional issues and for the first time in their lives actually go out and seek help that they need to build themselves into being the people they want to be. That's always a beautiful, beautiful thing to see, isn't it? It is. It's amazing. So do you believe in any form of meditation then? Yep. Um, I do meditation when my brain will shut up long enough. Yeah, right. That, that's exactly why I use the isolation <laughs> tank because my brain will not stop. I have yeah. to I have to literally put myself in a tank for 90 minutes, <laughs> you know, just to shut down. Do, do you know, I'm going to have to try that. Because yeah, I it's think that beautiful. Because that sounds amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah, and, you know, I have a very busy brain. And for me, doing stuff like yoga or something beforehand just to – get rid of the, the physical energy and then just sitting quietly and shutting up my brain. You know, you don't have to sit on a cushion with your legs crossed and your, your fingers in, um, I can't even remember what those positions are called, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't have to sit like that to meditate. You, know, you could be standing at a sink washing dishes. You could be sitting outside gazing into nowhere. It Meditation is really just that pause where you connect with things that are beyond your brain, beyond the chatter, beyond the things that you're thinking. Now, just as a form of escapism, um, are you a fan of Star Wars, obviously, in general, right? Just the movies? Oh, I'm a huge fan. Awesome, awesome. So, massive, uh, massive fan. <laughs> j- just to geek out with you for a second, I mean, what's your, I mean, do you like the prequels? Do you not like the prequels? Just to kind of get a, uh, kind of a picture mm. of Brenna here. <laughs> well, Brenna grew up plonked in front of a TV at 
my dad's house watching the original movies until the VHS tapes wore out, like <laughs> yeah. literally snapped. <laughs> so I've been I've been a fan since I was very very young, um, and you know before the prequels there was the expanded universe which I just devoured. Um, and I have to admit, I was disappointed with the prequels. They just didn't feel as real as the original Star Wars, and they didn't feel like they had the same level of depth. Uh-huh. But I've gotten over that um, <laughs> and, and just accepted them for what they are. <laughs> moved on. Spoken but like a true Star Wars fan. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I just accepted that that was kind of the direction that Lucas took with them, and um, I like the Clone Wars, the, the, the cartoon series. I really enjoyed that. And the new movies, I'm, I'm enjoying. You know, I, I really did enjoy the new movie, and I thought that it's going in an interesting direction. And I don't think it's worth complaining about. I really don't. Just, you know, enjoy it for what it is and, and move on. Yeah. Are you, are you excited about uh, Rogue One? <laughs> oh, I am. I keep seeing the trailers, and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think about the midi-chlorians, then? That's always that's always a fun topic right there. You know, you hear a lot of people get kind of crappy when they bring up many chlorians. Do you want an honest answer or would you like a diplomatic one? You know, we got if, if you got time, give me both. <laughs> <laughs> um, diplomatic answer would be that I appreciated the fact that he was trying to integrate science with belief systems because I do think that the two are compatible. Um, my honest opinion was that it was a really, really stupid way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> now, I, real, real quick, I do want to go back to this oath real quick. Because um, I had my notes here, and I, I have to bring this up because we were just talking about, uh, you know, outside of canon. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and, and having those old books and stuff like that. And, uh, I, you know, honestly, I don't even know. Is Arabish still a language in Star Wars now since they've... Oh, yeah. Okay, I didn't know if it was since, you know, with the new canon. I didn't know if they changed it, called it something else. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I haven't paid that much attention to the geekdom of it all, basically since I actually started at the temple. Um, I think I think there are two sort of schools of thought. I think that some people are hanging on to the original canon and just going with it, and then there are people who are just going, whatever, it's all going to be fun. It's all Star Wars. I'm just throwing everything into the mix. So right I think it really dep- depends on the person you ask. Now, since you can't have, like, you know, names and, like, you know, Darth and Master, um, if someone wanted to take an oath in, like, Arabish, you know, is that considered insincere or, lack of a better word, uh, fanboyish? I know that we don't allow it because legally speaking, the oath has to be okay. in English um, and with your legal name. So I don't think we would accept it if other groups want to do it. Uh, you know, that's totally up to them. Okay. Um, and what is the clergy and their role um, within the order? The clergy... Hmm. <laughs> the clergy, I think, is really there as a way to just support people. You know, one of the, the things that is so wonderful about um, traditional religions is that you have people there whose sole purpose is just to help you answer your questions, to guide you through difficult periods of your life, and to just be a support person. The clergy is very much like that. Um, they deal specifically with the spiritual well-being of the community as a whole. Um, we don't consider them like spiritual authorities, like the Pope or something like that. But they are entrusted with helping guide our members along their journeys. Okay. Um, and I noticed some sermons on your site. Have you ever? Tell, can you tell me how the sermons work? Are they just online? Um, is this? Have you ever presented a sermon? Um, I have written a couple of sermons. I've never presented a service because I'm not a member of the clergy. Okay. Um, is that a goal so of yours? Is to be a member I, of the clergy? I have actually started the program. Okay. Um, I'm sort of muddling my way through it slowly because. I think it's something that I'm going to develop into later on. Okay. I, I don't mean to fire a thousand questions at you <laughs> okay. at once here, but so what is your process of the clergy right now then? Um, it's very similar in terms of the structure to the other training processes. So, you know, once you reach a certain point in your development, you can then start with the seminary and do that kind of training. Um, you, I believe, can't be made a licensed minister until you're knighted. Okay. Um, so we do require a certain level of commitment from someone before they can become an official member of the clergy because it does obviously have the legal element. You know, someone who is a licensed minister can perform weddings um, and do that kind of thing. Okay. 
So what's the, how long is that then? Are you going to be, uh, will it take you to be um, in, in the clergy? I don't really know, to be honest. I think that there is a minimum period of about six months, same as okay. the apprenticeships. But okay. typically, typically it does take longer to become a member of the clergy. There's a lot more training. Okay. And yet to get back to these sermons, is something I'm very interested in. Um, is this just like your typical sermons that you would go to church um, just to inspire and to build up your faith? Um, I would say so. You know, we, basically, you can be a clergyman or a non-clergy person. Um, to do a sermon, people generally sort of apply and go, hey, there's something that's on my mind, I'd really love to write about this. And then the clergy will then review it to make sure that it meets certain content standards before it's published or accepted. Um, It's really just an opportunity to share experiences and wisdom that we've picked up along the way. We usually either publish them just as a sermon. Occasionally, if one of the clergy is giving a live service, they might use that as part of the service. Is there a lot of live services? Is this like a weekly thing? It's not weekly, but they are regular. Okay. And uh, would you mind sharing um, just like a framework or two of one of one or two of your sermons? Um, Maybe titles, just like, you know, uh, what those yeah, uh, sermons were about? Me, well, it, I've written a couple um, myself. And for me... It's just things that were really poignant at the time and, you know, really stark reminders. Like I I wrote a sermon, I can't even remember the title of it, a little while ago, just reminding myself more than anything that once you reach a certain point, it's not about you anymore, that it's about, you know, taking the talents and abilities that you have and helping others. It, It stops becoming a personal journey and it becomes a journey of commitment to other people. That's pretty powerful. It has its moments. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that I think, uh, and not to, I get to get too hard on on some of these religions out here, but uh, I grew up um, Apostolic Pentecost. I don't know if you know what that is. I do. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> don't laugh too hard. But <laughs> no, I, uh, I, you know, I grew up, um, and man, you know, late seventies, uh, late eighties, where they wouldn't even let me, you know, wear basketball shorts, you know, mm. because my my legs were too sexy. They said, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I couldn't go to a movie theater, all right, because that's where bad things happen. So, um, you know, they they really got onto the material things, you know. And uh, but now look at me, I have a a movie site because I could, you know. <laughs> there's probably a sermon there. You're gonna do it anyway. Yeah, there's a, probably a sermon there, right? But uh, <laughs> um, and you know, you're, you're so right. I think that one of the reasons the Jediism has come to be is because people are looking at some of the religious rules with the religions they grew up in and going, you know what, I'm not so sure about that. Um, I I grew up in a, a Catholic environment. I attended a convent for most of my education, so you can only imagine. Um, and I was pushing back and asking questions from really early on. You know, I vividly remember saying to one of the nuns, but why don't dogs have souls? That doesn't seem fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, she wouldn't let us watch All Dogs Go to Heaven because she said it was lies. I'm like, come on, people. Um, but there has been, I think, especially in recent years, a lot of pushback against some of the rules that don't seem to make any sense and that don't seem to be spiritually centered but are materialistically centered. Well, it's very interesting. Um, I was uh, going to – I was really interested in being a youth pastor. Um, I was a Sunday school director, and mm-hmm. I asked the, uh, the pastor of a church one time, um, I asked him why – why can't we go to movie theaters? Why can't we do this? Because a lot of young people weren't, co- you know, go- going to services, you know, yeah. because they, they felt like there was these because walls. Going to the movies. Yeah, exactly. They want, <laughs> they wanted to, you know, to do things, you know? Yeah. And uh, I remember asking him, I'm like, you know, wow, that's such an eighties, nineties thing. You know, it's like, everyone's going to see, you know, Marvel, Star Wars, DC. And yeah. you, know, you know what his answer was to me? What? It was the, the elders of the church. And if we, we changed our belief system now, then what would happen is the lights would go out because they wouldn't be paying their church dues and they would go to another church that was still had those um, institutions. Ouch. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Well, it is and it isn't. You know, I, I can certainly understand their perspective because if that is what you have built your identity and your sense of self and your sense of spirituality on, the idea of losing that must be terrifying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but 
but as as we grow, as we develop, as we discover new things, and as we realize that, you know, religions are just a bunch of rules that somebody made up because somebody believed something. You know, as, as we kind of get to that understanding, we have to say, well, how much of this is valid and how much of this is useful to us? This is actually going positively impact us and how much of this is possible collection play. Yeah, you're, you break, you're breaking up just <laughs> do, a little bit there. Us, can you hear me? Yeah, you're breaking up just a little bit. Okay. Um, I was just saying, you know, how much of it is really useful to our development as people and as spiritual beings and how much is just pass the collection plate and do as I say, not what I do. Exactly. I mean, because um, I've studied Bible quite a bit, you know, and in the past, um, you know, it's uh, something that stands out to me a lot biblically is, you know, there's uh, hundreds of times, hundreds of times biblically where it says you need to feed the orphan, the widow, and the refugee. You know, you have to take care of the widow, the orphan, and the refugee. Widow, orphan, refugee. And you see a lot of church that's like, you can't go play basketball in basketball shorts, you know? And they're not even even feeding, you know, the... uh, they're not taking care of, of the three, you know? No, they're not taking they're, care of their, their fellow man. No, they're not. And it's because they have gotten so bogged down in the rules of the religion rather than what the religion means and what the religion stands for. Yeah, and I always remember, you know, like when I was in Sunday school, they'd always give me Kool-Aid and, and potato chips. <laughs> and they'd always tell me that, uh, you know, hey, when I went to heaven, it would be singing for 24 hours. And, oh God, help us! <laughs> I always remember leaving Sunday school, being like, "Oh my God, you know, if if there's a if there's a rapture, I'm gonna go to heaven and I'm gonna sing for 24 oh, hours, you know, for to the yeah, <laughs> till the end of time, I will be singing." I'm like, "That sounds horrible." What happened? To, I want to watch Star Wars. <laughs> I, I um, was out with some friends of mine a couple of years ago, and. There was someone who'd had a bit much to drink, and she turned around to, to one of us, and she told us all um, that we were going to hell. And um, someone then commented, you know, rather glibly, don't worry, we'll save you a seat. And a friend of mine turned around and went, not at our table, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. The, the idea of heaven and, and hell is such an interesting one. And, um, you know, I don't know any Jedi who believe in the concept of heaven or hell at is presented in the Bible, but I think that the idea of being in a place of suffering, um, and by that I mean listening to angels singing for 24 hours a day you, I'm, I'm, scary. You know, I'm sorry, you know, if that's what it is, then that sounds, that sucks. So maybe it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Now, what about uh, your parents? So your parents, um, you said you were raised Catholic, right? Um, my mother is actually Anglican, but I went to a Catholic school. Okay, so what do they think of your new belief system now? Because my belief system, you know, is is really all over the place now, currently as an adult, you know? Yeah. So what about, uh, what does your parents think about uh, picking up uh, Jediism? Well, my stepfather, I believe, is sort of nihilist, so he really doesn't care one way or another. His whole view of the world is things mean what you decide they mean okay um my mom is more interesting my mom has a very sort of mixed shambolic collection of beliefs that pick up on christianity and paganism and all sorts of things that kind of have collected into her own personal brand of spirituality but she was really interested by the jedi thing and she spent quite a lot of time on the temple site and kind of exploring it was a bit scary to know that my mum was digging through my posts and things and reading them <laughs> um but she was really interested in it and you know my, my dad had a look at it too and he was like well it kind of makes sense you know they're they're very open-minded people so whatever i choose to call my belief system they really don't care that's good that's good yeah i'm lucky yeah, can you tell us about do you have any like jedi uh, holy days or any kind of feast um, anything like that um, we do, and it's, I'd actually have to check, but I believe we have um, things like a day of reflection, which is on December 31st, it's kind of like the end of the year, time to sort of reflect on, you know, what you've, what you've done and what the year's been like and things that you've learned and discovered. Each of the holy days kind of have a different theme. Um, I know we do a kind of memorial day. Honestly, I'd have I'd have to go and check the dates. I don't really remember what. They okay. Are. So, do you uh, do you take part of these holy days then? Personally, no. Okay. Okay. Um, a lot of people do, but they're just not something that 
kind of resonates with me. You know, I, I know I know we have like a, a Jediism day, which I believe is also International Jedi Day. I'm not quite sure who facilitated that, but we have a Day of Harmony, which, if I'm not mistaken, is on the same day as World Peace Day. Um, we have Memorial Day. We have an, an anniversary day, which is to honor the, the creation of the temple and its founding. And then also Day of Reflection, which I've mentioned before. Like anything, you know, it depends on on how it resonates with you and how you choose to build it into your personal spiritual practice. Okay. And for me, the, the days of significance, I haven't really taken part in, but there are a lot of, of Jedi who do. Okay, and you have special interest groups. Uh, what are those? The special interest groups are really just a place where members can share their particular interests and discuss how those areas interact with their faith. Um, we have like the Abrahamic uh, interest group, which obviously covers Christianity, Judaism, Islam. Um, we have an Eastern group, which focuses on Buddhism, Hinduism, the Tao, that sort of thing. Um, a pagan group, and then a group for philosophy and science. Oh, wow. So it's just kind of like how all of those concepts feed into the general beliefs that we have. Okay, and how is the temple funded? Um, solely through donations. So we we never actually ask for donations, but we do have like a little donate now button where members can contribute to the running of like our servers and things. We do also have some branded merchandise where you can buy things that have the logo on. Okay, so how do you, that's an interesting question there then. Um, are you restricted on the range of designs uh, when it comes to logos or T-shirts or even your, you know, your logo that we were talking about earlier, the uh, so, the order logo? Yeah, so we we can use our logo because we created it. Okay. We obviously can't use the word Jedi on any of our uh, merchandise or we'd breach copyright. Okay. And we don't have enough money for lawyers, so, <laughs> so we kind of stay away from doing that. <laughs> so have you, have you had any kind of run-in with Disney? Um, like, were they no. were they say anything? I don't know. You know how weird people can get. Um, we haven't had any run-ins with them. The only run-ins we've had is um, with some of the books and things that we had in our library that we didn't realize were still under copyright because we try to only present material that is free access. You know, we, we want to stay on the right side of the law. Exactly. Um, but no, Disney has left us alone. And I think, I, I don't know if it's out of respect for the fact that we believe what we believe and we are also probably their biggest fans and that would be unwise to annoy us. Um or if they just see that we're not doing any harm and this is genuinely what we believe. I, I don't know what their position on, on it yeah, is. Yeah, you guys aren't going out there running around saying Jedi lives matter and, and letting, <laughs> you know. No, no, we, we tend to uh, to be activists quietly in the background. That does sound like a fun shirt, though. It would be a great shirt, Jedi lives matter. I might do that for like a fundraising campaign. <laughs> Now, will there ever be a real, uh, lack of a, word, a better word again, a mega church or like a Jedi temple for members to unite? Is there any goal? I mean, uh, with Disney and Star Wars, I mean, it's getting pretty big. I mean, we're even getting a, a theme park, so. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't know what the future will hold for us. There has been talk for many years about people wanting a temple, wanting a physical structure. Um but, you know, when you start to really talk about it, the funds tend to not materialize very quickly. Well, all um, you need is one rich Jedi. All we need, we just need one rich Jedi. So anyone who's <laughs> listening, if you're feeling generous. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's not something that we've really found a need for yet. I think as we grow, as more people become interested, it's something we may in the future consider. I don't know. Okay. Where would you like to see um, this in the future, five years from now? That's a good question and one I've not really considered, but what I would like to see is Jediism being a legally recognized religion. I mean, we're listed and um, registered as a church, but I would like to see us actually, you know, in the books as these guys are legit. All right. And is there any questions that I haven't asked that you would like to shed some light on or just uh, just to talk about? Um, I don't know. I mean, just sorry. I'm, I'm now thinking about the future of the temple. Um, I and just to kind of go back to that, I think what we're trying to do is really improve the quality of the lives of the people who come to us. You know, we we want to offer better training. We want to organize more offline gatherings. Oh, do we talk about the gatherings? I don't think we. No, do. no. Yeah, I'd like to talk about that. So 
We have only done one or two that have been just for people of the temple, um, but some of the other Jedi groups are really great at hosting annual get-togethers in various different locations. Okay. Um, and most of the time, any of the Jedi group's members are welcome to them, and they're actually really cool, and I think that we're going to be seeing a lot more of people getting together physically offline. Um, we've already been seeing a lot of one-on-one meetings, like people going, hey, we're in the same city, let's you know, meet up for coffee or, or do this thing somewhere. Um, but I think we're definitely going to be seeing a growth in the next few years, particularly as the movies continue to come out more regularly, because they're planning like one every summer now, aren't they? Oh, yeah, one every summer. And they, man, yeah. we at least have what? We have um, the Han Solo spinoff in the works, and we have yeah. um, Rogue One here, we got Episode 8, Episode 9, and then we don't... We don't know. Yeah. I don't think they've announced that third spinoff film, but yeah, it's it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan for sure. Yeah, and they're, they're going to keep pumping out more books. You know, the, the Star Wars universe itself is going to keep growing, and with it is going to be people who watch it and go, wow, that really resonates with me, and that makes so much sense, and finding us through that. So I think we're just going to keep growing. We're going to be more and more established. It's a really exciting time. Yeah, and then that just brings on more headaches, though, doesn't it? You have probably get some doomsdayers. <laughs> You know, <laughs> being like, this is the end times. <laughs> well, the, big, the bigger something gets, the more out of control it gets. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure we'll have our, our share of, of doomsday prophets somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the end is nigh. <laughs> yeah, right. What was, the, what was the last gathering place then? I think it was Colorado. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, there's actually... Oh man, what was I just read an article today? So um, if you look it up later, um, you know, don't quote me on this, but uh-huh. I believe the place is called Scum and Villainy. Have you heard about that? No. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. I think it's in California now. If I remember correctly, they don't have you know like the uh, the Disney blessing. They're just going to call it Scum and Villainy. You know, so I, I guess they can get away with that, and uh, it's going to be kind of modeled after the cantina. Um, so it's not going to be within Disney. It's going to be like uh, close to some airport, I believe. And uh, there's designs going up right now for it. But yeah, exactly. I mean, this isn't even a part of Disney. And you have, I could see those sprouting up all over the oh place because Star Wars is huge. I am Googling this as we speak. And this looks like a place where I need to get a mojito. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah actually, if uh, Google that real quick. Um, yeah, tell us what you see on that real quick. I'm sure some uh, video landers would be in that. and Villainy Cantina coming to Hollywood. Oh, wow. I love it. Yeah, so see, that's not even connected to Disney, is it? No, it's not. I love it. Yeah, and, and then you have, um, there's a, even a prequel coming out right now, just defending the prequels. It's called The Prequel Strike Back. Have you heard about that documentary? Yes, I have. Okay, actually, I'm trying to get the creator of that on. I'd like to speak with him because it's very interesting. You know, it's like you were even saying earlier, and I think we all fall there where it's like, oh, how do I want to explain this? Like with the prequels, I've come around probably, ah, oh, Jar Jar annoys the hell out of me. Okay. Oh, Jar Jar annoys the hell out of everyone. I mean, what, what were they thinking? I know. What were they thinking, right? But I always come back and I'm like, well, you know, but there's this and there's that. And you always try to defend it, you know, and it's very interesting. The, uh, the side people take when it, when it's, uh, when you talk about the prequels, you know, Yeah. but it's interesting. I have this theory where, you know, I just think they needed, I, I think they need padded out. Okay. Yes. That's what needs to happen. I think that once we get some spinoff films, okay, here's, here's what I want. I want three Knights of the old Republic movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want them to be as dark as you can go, but still remaining, <laughs> you know, within a family atmosphere. Okay, so I want three dark Knights of the Republic movies, and then you've been there, right? And then yeah. when Jar Jar comes around, he's not that bad because you need that breather, you know, because you just went through three hellacious movies, you know. And then before we skip to part two, Attack of the Clones, we need that spinoff movie in there somewhere. Do you know, I think that Disney should probably hire you as like some kind of consultant because I think you've resolved the problem with the prequels. I actually think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, and then we need a 2.5. We need a Rogue One with somewhere in between 2 and 3. And I really love that they're doing the Rogue movies because there is so much space in between where so much happened and you're like, but how did we go from here to here? Like, <laughs> what? I know. I can't wait um, you know, just to have them fan all this out and then with oh, Rebels yeah. and everything. It's just a great time. And I'm a huge X-Wing fan. I don't know if you've played the game X-Wing. 
No, I haven't. It's a blast, but is it? Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, anyway, I could geek out with you all night talking about this Probably. stuff. But we have some video landers being like, wow, man, Scum and Villainy and Jedi Order. And <laughs> well, I was just looking at Scum and Villainy, and I love the write-up. It's like, based on the Moss Eisley Cantina, the unofficial read, Disney doesn't seem to be involved in this whatsoever. Isn't that great? Limited time pop-up experience is an immersive environment allowing allowing guests to drink and eat inside a real spaceport cantina. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> I know, come on. I mean, I want that in like downtown next to the courthouse. Right? <laughs> so yeah, it's just such a great time for Star Wars, um, just fans in general. And I could really see, you know, um, the religion, you know, just uh, just booming. Uh-huh. You know, I, I could really see that. Yeah, I, and I have to agree because I think people are a little burned out on traditional religion and I think they're seeking something that doesn't want to create rules and tell them that they can't wear basketball shorts and wants to focus on the underlying spirituality, you know, the, the stuff that all of the religions and stories are pointing at. Exactly. And there's a quote that's always stuck with me, um, and it's from Thomas Jefferson. Um, and it's, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's, if it neither breaks my leg nor picks my pocket, what different is it to me? You know? So it's like, is if, if you're trying to do good things and you're not chopping people's heads off with machetes, I'm like, you know... Then, then yeah, do it. Live. You know, if you can make the world a better place, then you know I applaud you. Whatever your religion is, yeah. So I have to agree. You know, I read your guys's um, website before um, I, I reached out to you. I was like, wow. I mean, it sounds like they got themselves together. You know, yeah. And you know, for the most part, we do. A lot of thought has gone into the creation of, of what we do, and the doctrine has been revised and refined so many times. And, you know, we're continuously looking at ways that we can improve what we do. So we're not just sitting around going, oh, well, we've got a website, we've got a forum, so everybody just get on with it. Yeah, and it's, so, it's so refreshing, too. It's like, you know, because a lot of people, I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to talk to, uh, you know, a member of the Jedi of the Temple, and they're like, oh, that's going to be good. And I'm like, no, no, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were probably probably expecting you know some sort of twenty five year old sitting in his mom's basement wearing a, a rope. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, you want a weird conversation? Let me give you the number to the church down the street. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, for the most part, we are reasonably sane, rational, normal people. You know, I I'm a behavioral coach. My my husband, who's on the council, is um, like an electrical engineer and does like computer programming and. You know, one of our other members on the council happens to do manual labor. I mean, we're ordinary people for the most part. We yeah. just we just see things a little differently and we believe that in order for us to do good in the world, we have to be really high functioning and we have to take personal responsibility for who we are and what we do. And that's something I can get behind. Yeah, and that's what we do. You know, we're not here to hurt anyone. <laughs> we um we didn't interview when my husband, shortly after my husband and I got married, and um, the interview that we did ended up on a church website where they were using us as an example of ways oh, in which the wow. devil gets in through, you know, media. And I'm like, guys, we're not hurting anybody. You've got to chill out. That is nuts. And that's what I'm talking about right there. You know, instead of helping the widow, the orphan, and the refugee, it's like, let's pick this group exactly. and use them as an example and project it throughout the church. You know? And it was really interesting because it wasn't even like they were attacking the group. They had actually singled my husband and I out as individuals who were bringing the world down and, you know, in, encouraging it. Or I think they said inviting in the devil. I'm like, <laughs> guys... You know, we, we happen to meet under strange circumstances and we're now happy and we're married and we're trying to do good in the world. You know, what I can is? hear that hellfire sermon <laughs> just oh, yeah. ringing through it, the halls it of the church. It was great. I read the whole thing and I just sat there with my mouth open going, who are these people and how do they have so much time on their hands? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I can just see uh, that's that's exactly what Revelation was talking about. I know. Here it comes. The end is nigh. <laughs> the Jedi are upon us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. I love it. (laughs) Well, Brenna, it has been awesome talking to you. We're about at an hour here. So where can Video Landers find you if they want to finish this conversation um, or if they want to add to this conversation, if they want to get a hold of you, where can they find you? Um, Well, our website is simply www.templeofthejediorder.org. You can also find us on Facebook. Um, We're on YouTube. We're on Google+. I mean, we're everywhere. Only thing we don't have is an Instagram account because I don't know what we would put on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com. Uh, we are all over the place. Uh, we just started our website. Um, we have a, a good motto that we try to live by, or most of us. Um, we, it's uh, where you, uh, you work out, you eat as healthy as you can, and we do this because we want to live as long as we can so we can watch more Star Wars movies. <laughs> so we can watch more movies in general. This is, the, this is a great time to be alive where you have all this connective tissue between uh, shared universes and uh, you know just a lot of fun stuff coming down the pipeline. So you know let's, uh, let's stay al- alive as long as we can <laughs> to watch movies. So stay healthy. Um, we just finished our Alfred Hitchcock marathon, which was a blast. Um, you can find that on our website. Um, our next marathon we're going to be getting into is Akira Kurosawa. Um, so we're going to tackle five of his movies. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great time for video land. Uh, we're at, uh, I think this episode right here is a uh, one Um, so we're trotting right along. So, um, video landers until next time, may the force be with you.